Podcast, featuring Jamie, Mike, and Steve. We are live here at the Nothing But Net podcast. I'm your host, Steve Carter. With me today, I have my former point guards. We'll start with you, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Steve. Uh, we had a lot of good NBA basketball this past week, and I'm excited to uh, be here to talk about it with you and Jamie. Absolutely. Uh, we'll let that 32-point game go last night. But with that being said, how are we doing today, Jamie? I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. Uh, week one, NBA is in the books. Got a lot to discuss i'm excited about it yeah no for sure um just a lot going on in the nba here but first before we get to all of that i just want to say thank you guys for the uh support for another strong um another strong episode uh especially from our viewers you guys have been really good and we appreciate you and we hope that we can continue to have you guys follow us as the season progresses um with that being said last week's question we had uh who was the last player to win three straight mvps we had a couple of comments, one from Austin Leonard said, Larry, 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 and Hoop City 15, the hick from French Lick. Uh, both those answers are correct. It was Larry Bird in 1984 to 1986. Um, with that being said, guys, I just want to ask, do you guys think Jokic has a legit case or a legit, a legit chance to be the MVP for the third straight year? Uh, in the first week, he's averaging 24 points, 10.7 boards, and 9.7 assists. I'll start with you, Jim. Yeah, I think he's got a legitimate case. I mean, uh, the team that he's on is much, I'd say, much better than last year. They got um, two of their three best players back. Um, I don't think he'll, Jokic is going to score as much um, just from having Jamal Murray take away some buckets, but um, his assist numbers are going to be there. The rebounding is going to be there. So, yeah, I think he's got a legit, legit chance for sure. What you think, Mike? Yeah, I think he definitely has a, a chance. You know, Statistic-wise, he's going to put up numbers. Like Jamie said, they might vary a little from last year, but dude's going to still be a powerhouse. I just think the only thing working against him is uh, voter fatigue. So I think the voters, that may be the only thing working against him. But, I mean, the dude's still going to be, like I said, just a powerhouse this year again. Yeah, his numbers will always be there. There's no doubt about that. But clearly, voter fatigue has ruined potentially Jordan winning three straight MVPs. LeBron had his best year, didn't win MVP. Um, and Giannis had a really good year last year, or two years ago, sorry. But obviously, Jokic was deserving winner. But it's very, just very evident that the voters uh, kind of get over it, kind of get bored with voting for the same person. I don't think Jokic is going to have a shot. I think the only shot Jokic really has is if he, like, laps the field. They're the best team in the West. They win 60-plus games, and he just has another season that we've never really saw before. Um, and, you know, I think that's all very possible, but at the end of the day, it's going to be very hard because of just how deep the NBA is today. That being said, this week's question is, Paulo Bancaro had 27 points, nine boards, and five dimes in his NBA debut. Who is the last player to do so? And uh, with that being said here, we're going to roll into our news and notes. So as we noted as a comment um, on one of our posts, after like 20 minutes after we recorded the last episode, the prediction episode, Jordan Poole signs a four-year, $140 million contract. And then 
couple hours later, Wiggins signs a four-year, $109 million contract. Uh, we're just, I just have a question for you guys. Do you, do you guys think Jordan valuable? Or Jordan Poole is more valuable than Andrew Wiggins? I'll start with you, Jim. Um, no, I don't. Um, I don't want to undersell his value, but um, Wiggins is just more valuable just because he doesn't need the ball on offense to do damage, and defensively he guards the best player just about every night. Um, so simply that right there. For sure. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think Wiggins right now is more valuable to that team, kind of the way they're made up. I don't think they go on that playoff run and to go on to win the finals without Wiggins doing uh, what he did last year and what you know hopefully he'll continue to do this year. I think Poole is definitely uh, you know more of a long-term future thought uh, here, but maybe when Steph Curry is near retirement. But right now, I think Wiggins is just more uh, valuable to that team. Yeah, I was very much on the Andrew Wiggins side for a while, but I look at this roster and I'm actually concerned that they don't have a number two score. So without Jordan Poole, who, who's the next score? Clay Thompson hasn't clearly been himself. I obviously think the further we get away from his injury, that he's going to gonna continue to get better. But Jordan Poole brings so much value to them. Their bench is usually a bunch of veterans, but now they have him that they can really lean into. Wiggins obviously can score. Um, he's a great defender. I think that number is way too low. I think if he hits the open market, he sees a lot bigger payday. But sometimes guys just take a pay cut because they're happy where they are. And if Jordan or if Andrew Wiggins is happy, that's all that really matters. And I think this really shows the Draymond Green frustration because his money is just not looking like it's going to be there. So he has like a $37.6 million player option next year. We obviously have to think that he's going to accept that just because I don't know if he's seeing that money on the open market. It's going to be very interesting, but it kind of shows maybe why Draymond was upset. I'm not saying what he did is right in any or any stretch of the imagination, but um, we know Jordan Poole is uh, he's, uh, he's one of those guys. He's a little arrogant. The uh, Warriors have known that the whole time he's been there. Draymond Green always walks a very fine line, and that's just where it is. But Jordan Poole brings so much value to this team as the second, like he's their second true scorer, in my opinion. Um, rolling into our other news and notes of the week, uh, LaMelo Ball remains out with an ankle injury. Hopefully we can see him soon. Darius Garland gets a cut on the inside of his eyelid, looking like the return will be next Friday against the Boston Celtics. And Scotty Barnes rolls his ankle last night, sprained ankle, didn't return, went right to the locker room. We hope Scotty Barnes can get back quick. The Raptors are starting one and two this year, so it's going to be interesting to see how they can go without Scotty Barnes. He was a he's a real force for them. Um, with that being said. I want to start with what stood out to you guys in the opening week. First, we will go with Jamie. What stood out to me was Pascal Siakam. The dude is just balling. Um, They may be one and two so far this year, but, I mean, they've played three playoff teams, in my opinion, thus far, so it's not like they're playing scrubs. Um, Scotty Barnes is still getting getting work in. Uh, obviously, you just said he sprained his ankle. I'm guessing he'll be out a couple weeks, maybe. Um, 
But yeah, Siakam averaging like 28, 10, and 7. And he just, I mean, at the beginning of the year, we were having the conversation about, I mean, this guy can't just keep getting better, right? And he just seems to be proving us wrong every year. Yeah, his his growth has been one of a kind, right? He's gone from the G League to most improved to just a, a regular all-star. His development's been insane. It's not the question about him. I mean, I thought he would kind of level off, but it doesn't appear to be the case early in the year. He's had a tremendous uh, first week to the year. But the concern, the concerns still remain the same. Is where else are they getting scoring from? Gary Trent's been pretty solid. Fred Van Vliet's been pretty solid. Um, it's just going to be, are they going to be able to consistently score with these best teams in the East? Mike, what's your thoughts on the uh, Pascal Siakam Toronto Raptors? Yeah, going back to the first episode, I, I think I was down on Toronto a little this year. Not totally out on them, but definitely, you know, having them having a slower year. And I said, I'm not sure who they're going to get their scoring from if they're going to have that guy on their team to like really go get you a bucket and, and for, I guess perform at the the highest level they need to really be successful and basketball Siakam right now is prove me wrong. I just don't know how uh, sustainable that is for him the whole season. So we'll see, but I mean, he's looking good to start the first couple games, um, but we'll see if, you know, law of averages kind of applies to this team here. Mike, what's your takeaway from week one? My takeaway from week one is I'm looking at the Memphis Grizzlies here. And we spoke episode on episode one about how they may have uh, overachieved a bit last year and they may be um, due to regress just a touch this year. And although they're two and one, I believe here, they're getting incredible play from Ja Morant, including a 49 point game to beat the Rockets, I believe. And that's, again, just kind of looking at it, it's kind of concerning to me. He's averaging 34 right now, points per game. I don't know, again, how sustainable that is for this Grizzlies team. And if they're needing that from him every night um, for them just to win and compete in games, I, I have kind of long-term concerns for them over the over the course of the season, uh, especially if they're putting that much wear and tear and demand on his body. Is he going to get hurt? Is he going to kind of uh, burn out at some point? I don't know, but that's that's my takeaway is just that the Grizzlies seem to really be relying on, on Ja, obviously, with not a fully healthy team here. Yeah, the numbers with him last year not playing the 20-5 and five record, I just don't think they can replicate that. They've lost some key pieces to depth, um, as we've alluded to before. They're giving up the most amount of points per game in the NBA. That's just not a formula that can, A, win you games and I don't I think they're better defensively but it just shows how much they're missing Jaron Jackson so I also think a regression is in the cards Jimmy your thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies um I mean honestly I love I love watching the Grizzlies play uh just because Ja is probably the most exciting player in the NBA right now um whenever he has the ball in his hands he's must see TV uh he can rise up and throw it on two guys he can drive, dish, behind the back. I mean, no, look, he, it's just it's exciting whenever he has the ball in his hands. And he doesn't even need the ball. He can run and chase down blocks, steals. He's just he's musty TV. Um, with that being said, Steve, you alluded to it. Their defense is awful. 
And if you're not going to stop anybody, then, I mean, you'll be lucky to to get in the playoffs. And that's just how it is every single yeah, year. This, oh, sorry. The scoring numbers are obviously a little crazy right now. I mean, Dallas scored 137 on them last night. Houston scored 122. And the Knicks put up a pretty good number on them as well. Those are just not... Okay, I'll give you Dallas, but the other two just doesn't like they're just not really elite offenses. But um, yeah, the concern on defense is going to be there, and if they don't fix that, it's going to be a play-in season for them. A lot of time to go. Obviously, we don't want to go crazy on overreactions here on opening week, but that is definitely where we're headed. Um, what stood out to me in this uh, opening week were the rookies. Paulo Bancaro averaged twenty-three point three. Uh, points per game, 8.7 boards. Jail, or jail, geez, uh, Jabari Smith averaged 13.3, 6.3 boards. Keegan Murray averaged 19 points and five boards in his debut, or scored 19, 19 points and five boards in his debut last night. Also hit a, uh, three threes. Jaden Ivey is averaging 17 points, five boards, six assists in three games. And then Benedict Matherin, a huge surprise here. He's coming off the bench for the Indiana Pacers, which makes absolutely no sense. I can't wait to see what he does starting. But he's averaging 24 points and 6.3 rebounds per game. This just shows the NBA and the depth of it. All this young talent is coming in. So when we talk about, like, the Lakers needing to get AD back, their roster is just not as talented as a lot of these different rosters with a lot of this young talent. Now, these guys are the top five, top five of the top six picks in their respective draft. But with that being said, it's it's really just showing you that no matter who you play, every team has guys now, and they have a very exciting guys. I think it's a very good thing for the NBA. It makes the you know just watching your favorite team play any team that much more fun because you know I think like there's just going to be a lot of games that go like where Utah beat Denver by 20 points in the opening uh this not opening night but the second night where everybody else played except for those first teams. It just shows you, like, any given night, uh, you just really don't know who's going to go off. And we haven't really got to see Chad Holmgren yet. Uh, you know, he's out for the year. It's a huge loss. But just think about what he would be adding to this rookie class. Jamie, what are your thoughts on the rookies? Yeah, I love it. Um, they're balling out. Um, between between uh, Matherin, um, Bancaro, Ivy, you alluded to Bradley coming in. Uh, last game and knocking down what he, the shots that he's uh, supposed to knock down. Um, I don't see. I mean, I see them all having a decent year. I just don't see this type of year continuing. I mean, Matherin's shooting crazy right now. I think he's over fifty percent from three and twos. Like, I don't think they're all going to sustain it. But also, I think they're all going to have decent years. Um. And I love the way the NBA is set up where it's not necessarily you need two or three years anymore. You can go one year in college. You can go to the G League and go overseas for a year. So I like the where the NBA is going as far as um, building up younger talent for sure. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, the NBA uh, rookie-wise is in a really good spot, and it's very refreshing, I think, just to have, I think you said, five of the top six picks really kind of pan out. I mean, obviously, it's only three games, two games in, whatever they had this week. But just as, as an early start, it's really nice to see them kind of have, uh, you know, good a good first couple games here. Every year you get a couple rookies that are a lot of hype around them that don't always – 
live up to that hype. And it's kind of disappointing, I'm sure, just for organizations and fan bases. Uh, but right now, early on, these rookies look really good, like you mentioned, and that's without Chet Holger, uh, Holgren, like you said. And so long as they can kind of keep this going and keep trending in the right direction, you know, they have very positive futures, of course. So it's it's just really nice to see. And, uh, of course, you hope they stay healthy and, and keep progressing just because, uh, you know, want to keep that young talent in the NBA fresh and ready to go. Yeah, without a doubt. With that being said, we kind of missed on two big ones here. I thought they would come up, but uh, they haven't. And I think they got to be talked about the Philadelphia 76ers and the Los Angeles Lakers. Mike, I'm going to have you start with Philly. What's going on with Philly? You know, I, I picked them to – actually, I'll start with them because I picked them to win it all. Okay. I have a huge issue with the whole, hey, Doc Rivers is just not it. I, I, I can't, I'll just keep reiterating that until he gets fired, which I think we're going to get to here. Um, but the James Harden – he really wanted to be the point guard of the team last year. This year, it's like we're back to old James Harden. A lot of people got upset that he only took two shots in a closeout game in the second half, which is obviously not accessible. It's like, I need James Harden to be aggressive. But I don't need James Harden to be dribbling the ball around like he was doing in Houston. Clint Capella is not – or Joel Embiid is not the center that Clint Capella is. It works with Clint Capella because you can just keep running the high pick and roll, still lobs, get, get the mismatch, do, do your thing, James. But – Joel Embiid's a perennial all-star center. He was my MVP pick. He hasn't played well, so I understand, but he also hasn't really had an opportunity to, opportunity to get into a flow of a game. That's my concern, and if this doesn't get fixed, I think Doc Rivers is gone sooner than later. Mike, your take on the seven, uh, Philadelphia 76 Yeah, this is more kind of like an eye test to me. Uh, that Philly just can't play from behind. They've gotten down early in a lot of these games, and they almost seem – like a, there's just a lack of urgency and they're just accepting their taking their medicine almost uh like we're down uh this we're just got to ride this out until we lose the game I, I mean there was a little fight in them uh in them with that milwaukee bucks game they they did make it close but to be honest i think milwaukee should have put them away early i think they kind of lucked out there so that's that's really my concern with philly is that they're they're just looking like they uh i don't know don't have any fight. Um, where are these guys like Joel Embiid, who I said would be MVP too? We need him to assert his dominance a little more. And I think Philly, if I'm looking at it correctly, is the second to last team just above the Lakers in uh, in offense with 103, 103 points a game. I, they don't look good early. I'll, I'll say that. There's, of course, a lot of season left, but that's my main takeaway is that they just look like they, they can't play when they're down. They need to be winning a game and be staying ahead the whole game for them to really get in any sort of groove. And they led most of the uh, opening night against Boston, but man, James Harden's really slowing down that offense. It's not helping Tyrese Maxey get into his flow. They need Tyree Ma- Tyrese Maxey to take that step where people think he could be the most improved player. doesn't look like it's happening right now. I expect things to change and hopefully they change quick. I heard that PJ Tucker was not pleased with the effort. And I think that's something they need because, it's not pretty. Jamie, thoughts on the Philadelphia 76ers? Yeah, uh, Harden's numbers are great, but as we've always known with Harden, it doesn't matter if your numbers are great. Um, if you play one-on-one, you're never going to win anything. Um, and B's got to be better. He's got to be the most dominant player on the floor every game if they're going to do what they want to do this year. Um, I mean, even as far as 
defensively, their rotations are just lazy. Like, I don't know how many times I saw Harden just get screened away away from the ball and just stood there. No rotation, no talk, no nothing. It's just like they're they're just out there going through the motions. Um, I don't know if Doc's going to get fired this year, but if they keep it up, I mean, you can't get any worse than 0-3 besides 0-4. So. We're talking about their defense. Well, maybe that's because we're playing Georges Niang over Matisse Thibel. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, Georges Niang is – he is what he is. He can shoot. He's a all, Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's about as fast as he moves, about 10 miles per hour. <laughs> Dude. Um, it's ridiculous, man. I, I don't get it. Jason Tatum's cooking him. Ah, we'll leave Matisse Thibel on the bench. I don't know. The shooting is obviously changed basketball in a way. But now it's just like becoming too much. Like we, you gotta have someone who can play defense. Georges Niang plays no defense. It's a mess. It's a mess. But that's where we are. And you know, I think they got caught off guard. The Spurs got their butts kicked by the Hornets opening or not opening night, but again opening their opening game. And since then, they've responded really well. Pop, that's that's what Popovich is there for, and that's what he's going to continue to do. And they were they were embarrassed and then they put on two two nice uh games to win and they're two and one and Popovich is just doing his thing obviously we don't expect them to be a good team but that's just the coach that Pop is going to be and I definitely think this is one of the worst teams in the NBA so it's just not a good look for Philly uh Jamie I'm gonna let you start with your Los Angeles Lakers thanks for that um I mean same old story with the Lakers it's they have no shooting Absolutely no shooting whatsoever. I mean, at one point, first game against Golden State, they were 1 of 15 from 3, and you're like, all right, well, they're still sticking around, still sticking around. Can't get worse, right? Well, then the next game came, and it was worse. It's just I, I don't understand what the front office is doing. I There's no shooters. You put shooters around LeBron, and that's where he plays his best, and we have no shooters. Um. I mean, AD's kind of – LeBron honestly looks – he looks his age right now, and I know he's going to be fine and put numbers up, but it is what it is. AD, to me, is the only bright spot, but he's already got back soreness. I mean, it's the Lakers, man. They're Right now, they don't even look like a playing team. Mike, your take on the Lakers. Yeah, I won't say much because I know you probably want to tee off on them too, but <laughs> – uh, the Lakers are just very frustrating, but it's also, what did we, I don't know. I think people's expectations are still maybe too high for them at this point. Maybe they're, I don't know if they're suffering from that a bit too. It's just bad. I mean, and I'm not going to sit here and keep trashing Westbrook too, but like an 0 for 11, 0 for 6 night. And he says he plays solid. Like, I just think these guys' minds are just not. They're elsewhere, or they're just so warped that they. I feel like they don't grasp really the whole situation. Uh, Jamie said it. They don't. They don't have. Sh- uh, they don't have shooters. LeBron plays well, obviously, with shooters around him, and the front office, I think, just missed that memo or really did a poor job and need to be. A lot of people need to be fired. They're shooting uh, the three ball at a twenty-two percent clip. Yikes! Uh, yeah, you're not going to win many basketball games like that. So they're. It's just a, a dumpster fire right now in LA, if you ask me. That's that's all I got for them. Yeah, Jamie, you say LeBron hasn't been a bright spot. I I just have to disagree. He's averaging twenty five and a half. He's averaging twelve and a half boards, and he's averaging seven assists. Um, 
I, I don't know. The key, the key to winning with LeBron has been the same for 20 years, and Rob Palenka just doesn't understand it. I, it's the most baffling thing we've seen in sports. The, the blunder by the Lakers ruining LeBron's years here are just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, they can sit here and keep blaming that AD got hurt. LeBron James has made the playoffs with worst teams in the Lakers without flipping AD. We've seen it time and time again. People forget about how bad those Cavs teams were in 04 and 05 and 06. And even the team they took to the damn finals in 07. But they had shooters. And that's how you win with LeBron James. That's how he's won all of his titles. You put great shooters around him, and he figures out the rest. But nope, Rob Flinka is uh, Kobe's boy, so you can't criticize anything that he does, and he'll always have a job for the Lakers. And that's where the Lakers will be let down. So, yeah, they can hide behind the goal. Um, they're going to use Russ as their little scapegoat, and that's fine. But the real problem is in the GM spot, and if they don't get rid of him, it's not going to change. So, good luck. Maybe uh, maybe they figure it out. Maybe they get lucky. They get a haul for Westbrook because of the tanking teams. It's not going to change it if they don't get three shooters in that deal. That's It's just – it is what it is. And, you know, we can go on and on and on here, but there's really not much to say. They're shooting 22% from three. They don't score the ball in offense. AD is doing his thing, but – LeBron and AD can be the best two players in the world. With the depth that they have, it won't matter a damn thing because these teams in the NBA are just too deep for these guys. Uh, I'm not going to carry on anymore. It's it's a joke. <laughs> Rob Flinka, he's got he's got to get fired, but he won't. It's Kobe's voice, so we can't we can't criticize. That being said, we're going to roll into our power five, uh, our power rankings, our top five power rankings here. So basically what we'll do here is we'll all name our fifth place team, our fourth place team, and so on here. So we will start here with Jamie. Who do you have at number five in the power ranking? Number five, I have the New Orleans Pelicans. Nope. Oh. Sorry. I got I got the uh, Golden State Warriors at five right now. Um, there's, there's no – I mean, they have the most potent offense in the NBA. Um, the ball moves. Everyone is unselfish playmakers all around and they make shots uh their defense is good, just going to continue um game in and game out um i don't want to over speculate on it um they got one loss and that's where I, they're at the five spot for me mike who you got five? uh right now i got the denver nuggets i had them going to the finals and i still believe they can get there they had a pretty bad loss to utah to start off the season. Listen, Utah's got some vets. They probably came out firing. Denver's just getting some of their guys back. They're not even totally healthy because Jamal Murray's not even playing uh, all their games right now. I I still think they have a lot to offer and and a lot of room for improvement on offense and defense. So I I think they just got to get rolling a bit. I got them at five right now. I don't need to say much more because I also have them at number five, Michael. So you really covered it. Big bounce-back wins against the Warriors and Oklahoma City on the back-to-back, but we will see what they can do in the upcoming week. Mike, who do you have at number four? Number four, I have, let me see here. This one was a a bit of a debate for me. I think I might go, I think I might go with the Warriors at number four. Again, did lose to uh, the Nuggets, like you just mentioned. I'm not really worried about them. I think they're just playing fine. Clay's got to get rolling a bit, I think, for them to really uh, get things, uh, I don't know, back to where they want them to be. Um, but still, they're, they're still the Warriors. They're still uh, a top four team for me. Um, and 
they're going to bring it in night in and night out and they still have the greatest shooter on earth. So <laughs> no need to say much more there. Yeah. Number four, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. They beat the Lakers by six with uh, Kawhi and John Wall coming off the bench. And then they were able to beat the Kings by two after a great performance by Paul George um, without Kawhi and John Wall. I just think that this is the deepest team in basketball. Their their bench is insane. It's going to show it all year. And I think the bench is going to be able to keep them up at the top here, um, even when they need nights off for Kawhi and John Wall. Jamie, who do you have it for? Well, I have the Pelicans at number four. Um, they came out first game, beat the brakes off the nets. Um, it's way too soon for me to jump on the bandwagon, but they look good so far. Uh, Zion looks like a force, and I keep forgetting this, but uh, watching Brandon Ingram and KD play against each other, it's almost like, to me, they're pretty much the same player except KD just has a little bit better jumper. It's wild to me, and I forget about that every time. But um, with that being said, um, Valanchunas is playing out of his mind right now. If he keeps that up, then they're going to be a serious problem. Yep, without a doubt. I don't have them in my top five, and I was higher on them than anyone, so it's definitely an interesting point. I like them, and I think they're going to be very good, and we will get to the Pelicans here in a little bit. Um, at number three, I have the Warriors for all the reason that you guys have stated. I'm not going to really dive in. I'm a little higher on the Warriors just because I still believe they're the best team in the West. This is the last Western Conference team I have in the Power Five. So with that being said, I have the Warriors. Jamie, who do you have here? Uh, I have the Clips. Um, I like the way they came out. Like you said, without really Kawhi and John Wall playing um, – substantial minutes and they're undefeated and they beat the Kings and the Lakers, the Kings, it is what it is. But I mean, anytime you beat the Lakers, you're going to get noticed uh, whether they're bad or good. Um, The Kings are play in team. So like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're aiming for a play in playoffs, so they shouldn't be a bad team. The fact that they're all in two is a different story. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, but like I've, like I said last episode, the Clippers, their roster is just so deep. And anybody that comes off that bench is ready to go. Like Norman Norman Powell, who's a very good role player, is like their seventh guy off the bench right now, which is crazy. Yeah. Mike, who do you have at the three spot? Yeah, I went back and forth, uh, like I said, with uh, the Warriors and the Clippers for that three and four spot. I do have the Clippers as well at number three. You guys, you know, have talked about them, obviously. Uh, they're they're just a deep team, and I think the question of their potential when they're fully healthy is, I guess, maybe why I bumped them up to number three, because we see the Warriors, I mean, pretty much 100% healthy. Um, So we kind of know them for what they are right now, whereas the Clippers are still uh, playing really good basketball, but we don't quite know uh, how good they'll be at full max. I'm sure somebody could make the argument, well, because – they aren't fully healthy. Maybe they should get bumped down the spot. So, um, you know, take your pick there. But I, I got them at number three. They are the deepest. Uh, they do have the deepest roster in the NBA. And, I mean, last night, Kawhi doesn't play. Paul George, I don't know. He had over 30, I think, um, or around that area. So, dude is just uh, – that team's got options. And having options is, is a really good thing, I think, for the NBA. Yeah. One thing I 
noticed about Kawhi Leonard is you could tell that boy didn't play for a year because that dude is even more yoked than he was. Like, it's starting getting to be the point of, is he too yoked? His legs are just massive, like no homo. But <laughs> you could tell my dude has not missed the gym in his days off. Uh, yeah, so I think we I think we have those guys, like, you know, all in the same category, and it makes sense. Those are the best two teams in the West as of right now, in my opinion. Um, but with that being said, Jamie, who's your number two team in the power rank? The Milwaukee Bucks. Um, plain and simple, they're missing their second best player, and they're still, I wouldn't say dominating the league, but they they're, they had a very good first week. Uh, Giannis is averaging 33-13-6. and six. Uh, Just another day at the office for him, and um, he's the most unstoppable force in the league since Shaq. So they yeah, got that modern day Shaq. Very yep. modern day Shaq-y to me, Back. for sure. Uh, Mike, who do you have at number two? Jamie's right on the money. I got the Milwaukee Bucks at number two. They Ooh, are... it's a clean sweep at number two for the for the, for the <laughs> They for are the statistically right now the number one defense in the NBA, and that is without besides, I mean, Giannis and Drew. Obviously, they're the two main uh, defensive weapons, but Chris Middleton, obviously, is right up there with them. They got... That's a three-headed monster, and Jamie said it. They get a good win against uh, Philly, and they seem to be rolling pretty good, and that's all without Chris Middleton. So that's another one that – another team that at full health, man, who knows? that That's going to be dangerous, uh, a dangerous team. Obviously, we know they're, they're really good. This is no new news. But, uh, yeah, I got the Bucks. Um, they look good early. Which brings us to number one, and I, I, I have the Bucks at two as well, so there's really not much to continue on here. I think this leaves us all with one team left here. Um, the Celtics, everybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no I mean, they're just clearly the best team. They haven't missed a step with Ime going out. Joe Mazzulla was chirping at his player. I can't remember who it was. They tried to make a play on an inbound pass from behind, got a technical foul. Joe Mazzulla led into, led into him. I think that's an important sign for them, and that's all I really have on the Celtics. If you guys want to throw something in, Feel free. Yeah, they're uh, for me. They're at number five, uh, top for offense. So they're a top five offense uh, in the league. They're just they they seem to have not missed a beat. I know we are all kind of thinking what they look like with the coaching change, but right now uh, you you really couldn't even tell almost. So they're they're rolling. Ime Odoka, who? Who the hell is that? I mean, they they look better. I it's early, but they look better today than they did last year. No doubt. Definitely need to see them play an elite defense to make sure that offense holds. They've they've struggled against the elite defenses, um, but the offense has definitely looked like it has a little better gel. That's it for our power rankings. Um, pretty much similar. We had a couple differences, so that's always a good thing. Uh, we're going to go to our new segment. It's called Swish or Dish. Basically, we're going to take five of the hottest takes of the week, five overreactions that happened from the week, and we are going to either swish, shoot, Take your shot on it or dish. Pass it, sell it. Um, so with that being said, our first one, will the 76ers fire Doc Rivers before Christmas? I actually think this is a switch. I'll start. I think this is a switch. Um, we've seen Daryl Morey get the band back together. You got James Harden to Philly. He got P.J. Tucker to Philly. He got Daniel House. He's got all the guys back. I think he's going to go back and get the coach that led that same team and then with Joel Embiid. Daryl Morey is going to push his chips in. We've seen Doc Rivers fold in big moments, and I don't think Daryl Morey is going to take a chance on that. I think he wants to get his guy Mike D'Antoni back in the building. Mike, what's your take on this? Swish or dish? 
I am going to go ahead and dish on this. Look, I think if they underachieve this year by their standards and Daryl Morey's standards, then I think he's out at the end of the year. But before Christmas, that is still pretty early. Uh, who knows? A lot can happen between now and then, and a lot can happen between Christmas and the playoffs. So I think they got a lot invested kind of in, in Doc right now just for this season. I think they kind of ride it out. Jamie, swish or ditch? Doc Rivers will be fired before Christmas. I'm dishing this as well. Um, short and sweet, I just think the Sixers are too good, and I think Joel Embiid is too good to let this keep happening. Um, we'll see. Awful start, obviously. Um, but I think they're going to turn around and be relevant in the East for sure. I think Doc will be there for another few years. Ooh, that's definitely a hot take. Whoa, I think he's yeah. had too mm-hmm. many good rosters, and he's underachieved way too much. And I don't think Daryl Morey has patience. This team is built to win right now. P.J. Tucker, it has a crazy contract, but P.J. Tucker is going to fall on the on off the face of the earth here soon. The guy's already 36, 37, one of the older players in the league. Not sure how long he's going to be able to continue this. That's why I think they are going to be in panic mode if this continues, this 0-3 start here. Uh, we'll start here with Jamie. The Lakers are better without Russell Westbrook. Swish or ditch? Oh, this is swish from this is swish from anywhere. This is a layup. Um, <laughs> I just I can't I can't stand watching Westbrook play. Um, his plus minus last year was minus two eleven, um, even averaging like eighteen eight and seven. So the numbers I don't even want to look at the numbers. It's crazy to me that how how bad he looks on the court and he can still put up numbers like that is just it's blasphemous. Um, I just, there's no way they're better with him on the court. Mike, swisher dish. I'm going to go swish, but probably not as, uh, I don't feel as strongly as Jamie does. And I think, Steve, you made a really good point, which I'm not sure if you'll talk about here in a sec, but it's not like it's solely Russell Westbrook's problem in L.A., I just think in that system, the way that team is constructed and whatever role he has, because I don't even know what his role is. I don't think he knows what his role is. It's just not working. I think Russell Westbrook could go to a different team and have a lot more success. I'm not saying he's going to go back to MVP rough, but I still think he can be uh, productive somewhere else, but just not in that system. So they're probably better without him Um, in that regard. I would have to go with Yeah, I think you guys are crazy as hell. Yeah, they're, they're, he doesn't really fit the team, but that's also because they don't have shooters. All right, I, I'm the most down guy on Russell Westbrook. I have been for the last four or five years. He's ruined what the meaning of a triple du- uh, triple double truly is. But if we just take Russell Westbrook off this team, you're telling me they're better. Uh, can't buy to that. Um, I understand how bad he's been, but if we're blaming Russell Westbrook for this, I'm sorry, I, I just can't. And I, I'm out on Russell Westbrook, but. My man plays hard, and yeah, it's obviously when he's saying he plays solid, when he shoots 11 from the field, we have issues. But he also was a guy who made big defensive plays for them late in that game. I'm not putting this on Russell Westbrook. He needs shooters around him. LeBron needs shooters around him. That's how those guys have played for how many years? AD could probably use a couple of shooters around him. But hey, this is where we are, and I'm not putting this solely on Russell Westbrook. As I alluded to before, Rob Polinka is a bigger issue in L.A. than people are talking about. And I get why, because, you know, he's been there. It's Kobe's dude. But sometimes in life, we got to move on, man. The stories, you know, aren't worth it. And if you're not doing your job, 
If I didn't do my job, I get fired, and I would expect the same out of these organizations. Next Swisher dish we have, the Jazz and Spurs are hurting themselves with early season success. Jamie, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to dish this um, just because I think you nailed it with the early season success. I think that's all it's going to be. Um, both these teams, neither of them are going to make the playoffs. Um, it's nice to come out and get a couple dubs onto you, but I just I just don't see this um, continuing for that long just because the league is so talented now. Mike, swish or dish? I'm going to swish with this one. Uh, Jamie makes a good point. If if it's just a couple games here in the early season, I, I think that's fine. Uh, but, you know, you start tacking up a couple wins and the Hornets or some other team is out there, like uh, the Pacers are really tanking, then they might catch you in the Victor Wembayama sweepstakes here. And it could end up, a couple of these early wins could end up hurting you. But I, I say that with the fact that even when you get Victor, Victor Wembayama on one of these teams or Scoop, um, you still need player development. And so they still need to develop, to develop these players this year that they have on their rosters. Just, I don't know. I, I'm not for a full-on tank, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I think they are kind of just hurting themselves in the long run, if you ask me. The issue here, I, this is a switch for me as well. Winning games for these teams doesn't make sense. They're not going to be a playoff team. They're not going to find their way anywhere. The point for me is, is like they're going to have to keep guys like Colin Sexton from playing. And if Colin Sexton continues to play, he's going to continue to play hard. 20 points in his debut, only six points in his second game. We're going to see. But that guy, those guys are just going to continue to play hard. There's obviously going to be a fire sale. But you got to make sure you're putting yourself in the best position as possible to get Victor Wembayama when you're looking at the talent that they have. I don't know what exactly they're going to do, but it's time for them to start figuring out how to lose games here because the it's cute and all. It's a fun story and whatever, but it's not it's not going to mean a damn thing here in the near future. Our next one, Swisher Dish. Celtics are the clear favorites in the East. Mike, go ahead. It's got to be a Swish for me, uh, 100%. But this is also not knowing what the Bucks are when Middleton gets back. Uh, the Celtics are the best team in basketball right now. Uh, off, I met, mentioned it before. Uh, top five offense. I think defense, they probably are, are not quite where they want to be. they got to get Rob Williams back here. Uh, and I hate to say it, but is it a crazy shot here that Tatum may just end up winning MVP this year? I don't know. But 76ers will be a big kind of story here, too, if they get things going. But right now, the Celtics are my clear favorite out of the East. I'm actually going to dish this. I just don't think they're a clear favorite. I think the Bucks went seven games with them without Chris Middleton. They're looking even better this year, in my opinion. I think Giannis is going to give them all the fits in the playoffs. Giannis damn near almost did this himself last year against this team, and I think it could be very much a different series with Chris Middleton back. And I still have Philly um, being a competitor in the East as well. Jamie, swish or dish? Celtics are the clear favorite in the East. I think as of today, um, 100% they are. Um, that's with Chris Middleton not playing, um, obviously. And I just, like we all alluded to earlier, the Celtics are number one in the power rankings right now. Yeah, it's earlier, or it's early in the season, obviously, but they look phenomenal. Um, they look better than they did last year. I think the Malcolm Brogdon pickup is huge for them. Um, he brings... He literally does everything on the court that you want him to. 
um, without making a lot of mistakes. So I'm swishing it. Last one here. Swisher dish. Paulo Bancaro runs away with rookie of the year. I'll start with dish. Benedict Matherin is coming off the bench and is averaging more points in less minutes, just as many rebounds. And the assist numbers aren't the same, but that's not Benedict Matherin's game. But I also think he's a better defender. And I think this race is going to get very interesting because as much the paces are going to be tanking, I still think that they're going to let Benedict Matherin can, like play the full season to get that year under his belt of uh, development. So I think this is a lot closer. And I just think the top of this rookie class is way too good just to think that Paulo Bancaro runs away with this, especially with Orlando not succeeding as well as I kind of thought they would in the first week. Jamie, Swisher dish. Um, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to swish, but I don't think he's necessarily running away with it. I think he's still the the favorite, um, even with Matherin putting up crazy numbers. Um, like I alluded to earlier, I don't think Matherin is going to be able to continue the shooting he is, um, cause he's shooting over 50% from both, uh, two and three. So he, I mean, not taking anything away from him. I just think that Ben Carroll's percentages are going to slowly go up and Matherin's are going to slowly go down. Um, and Ben Carroll is going to get more minutes probably than any rookie out there. I just think um, he's still the favorite. Mike, you go ahead. Swisher this. Yeah, I think Jamie kind of hit this one too. Is he running away with rookie of the year? Perhaps not, but I do think he's definitely got like a good, uh, a good gap between him and number two right now as as it stands Bonquero's started out really well I mean even last night I think he had uh like 23 5 and 3 I think and I, I think a lot of this may depend on kind of where you know the magic kind of fall into the uh the standings too like how can he get this team to uh, get a lot of wins here and relatively speaking I'm not sure if it's Matherin's another two right now Number two right now is are the Pacers going to have as many wins as the Magic? I don't think so. I'm not sure if that will fall into play, but yeah, I think he's definitely still the favorite. Um, running away, it's a little early to say with that, that right now. Without a doubt. And that's going to bring us into pretty much our last part here. I just want to see what we are looking forward to in the next week of basketball. What are you guys excited to see? Look, we'll start with Jamie here. <laughs> I'm going to I'm excited, but I'm also not excited to see the Lakers actually get a dub here. Um, I'm just, I can't wait to see the development of all of this Westbrook, um, LeBron, AD situation. And I I guess I'm not excited for it. I'm just kind of, I'm sick of it. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm here to to watch the Lakers. Sorry, this is a bad take. <laughs> All right, Mike, what what are you excited to see here the next week? Did I just say the Bulls? No. Um, I'm going with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, and they have three games, I think, here. And they're against Dallas, Phoenix, and the L.A. Clippers. So we're going to really see what the Pelicans are about this week. They face three of the teams that are going to be right in the, the mix of it in the Western Conference uh, in this next week. So it, it'll be a good measuring stick. Uh, the, the, like I said, those are each have their own unique challenge. So we're going to see how they, they really react here. Um, 
and, and kind of how, how they, like I said, measure against some of these really good teams in the West. So that's what I'm looking forward to this week. Wow. Crazy, because I was excited to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and how great their offense is. They have a top 10 defense as of right now. They have four guys averaging over 20 points a game. Brandon Ingram averaging 28. Jonas Valanciunas, 22 and a half. DJ, 21. And Zion, 20 and a half. 10th best offense, 10th uh, best defense, second best offense. I think these guys are just must-see TV. And as you alluded to, Mike, they have three games against these top-tier Western Conference teams that are very exciting. And it's going to really show us where the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, uh, we want to say thank you guys for tuning in. Actually, let's go. Let's cover one more topic here. This was something that kind of came up in a conversation I was having last night, and I actually thought it was a very interesting question. I'm going to start with you, Mike, here. Does the NBA championship mean more this year than any other year solely based on the fact of how deep the NBA is this year? I think you could. I think it's easy to kind of see that. I guess that avenue of thinking with that the league is so deep, we, we win a championship, you know, we really competed, yada, yada. But to me, it's an NBA championship. Like every year it's an NBA championship. I know there's like the bubble and the lockout that has like their asterisk next to it, so to speak. But no, I, I wouldn't say it's leaps and bounds this year over like a different year. I mean, it's to me, it's an NBA championship. These guys should be coming out every year to play like it's, like it, the league is totally loaded with talent and they have to scratch and claw their way to, to get every win to the title. So that, I guess that's my take. I don't, I don't see it uh, meaning a lot more than any different year here. Jamie, what are your thoughts on this? Um, that's kind of a tough question. I, uh, there is a crazy amount of talent in the league and I mean, I like how you don't really, no. I mean, you have an idea of who your best teams are and who who's a sleeper team and this and that, but I just think it's it's way way too early to kind of assess how the league's going to go because as of right now, it looks like the Celtics and Warriors or Celtics and Clippers are going to be in the champion. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say this year over any other year, but I'm excited for it. I think you guys are nuts. I think this this ring absolutely means a lot. Let's think. Let's talk about what could be on the line here. First of all, if the Warriors win, I think you know the the whole Steph conversation and him being top five all time is going to become a real thing. I, I don't think he's top five yet, but I think he's knocking on the door. And if we're talking about him running through the toughest NBA we've ever seen, or LeBron running through the toughest NBA in some miracle fashion. You know, I think there's that in play. Giannis is playing for his or his second championship. The the East is, I mean, the West in I believe it was 2009, 2010 had eight 50 win teams. Every team in the West that made the playoffs won 50 games. It's not going to be like that because there's so many good teams. But one through eight on both sides of the conference are all legitimate teams. This is going to be the hardest road that very likely any team has ever had to go through to win a championship. Even when you meet the other team in the finals, I think this championship absolutely means way more than any other has. The Steph, the Steph LeBron years, those were fun, but we knew who was going to get there. They didn't have no teams that were in their way to get to the finals. And now there's so many teams that could get in anyone's way. 
And I think that's why this is going to be this this championship ultimately going to mean the most uh, more than any other. It's going to be hard. It's not the bubble where, you know, I think the bubble was extremely hard to win because of the shooting numbers. And I actually think the bubble is the best basketball that's ever been played. I won't say the best. I think the best word to use would be most pure form of basketball we've seen. Uh, the shooting numbers, the shooting numbers were absolutely insane in the bubble. Duncan Robinson, which got paid $20 million. TJ Warren was going for 50. Donovan Mitchell having 50-point games, two 50-point games in the same series. Jamal Murray, all those games were insane. And I think this year is going to be something like that. But now you're going to add the travel back in. I think this year is absolutely the toughest year to ever win a championship. And I think that's something that deserves to be noted. But with that being said, guys, I just want to say thank you guys for joining. Um, Jamie, uh, one last comment. Any final comments here? Um, yeah, uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening, taking time out of their day, and um, showing us love. Uh, it means a lot. We're going to continue to do this and get better and better every week, and we look forward to hearing everybody's uh, thoughts. Mike, just appreciate everybody's uh support that they've given us. I've just gotten a lot of messages and comments on stories that we've had on social media about uh, how much people have liked the uh, the podcast. I've had people come up to me uh, when they've seen me and said they've listened and it, it doesn't go unnoticed. We, we do really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, hopefully we keep creating good content and we're looking forward to another good week of NBA basketball here. Yep. One final thank you guys. Um, yeah. Like Mike said, the support has been it's been awesome. It's been crazy. You guys are definitely the best. The best way I've I've had people ask me what's the best way to help. The best way to help is just spread the word. Um, we're we're really doing our part, making sure it's on social media. We have it on every podcast platform that you could listen to. And the spread of the word is the most important thing that you guys could do for us. And we appreciate you guys. If you guys could just leave us a review or subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be great. Those numbers really help us as well. So, guys, with all that being said, we will see you here again a week from today. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Nothing But Net NBA podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Nothing But Net.